Let's let's start in a word of prayer, and we'll go from there. All right. Dearly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, mercy, and your grace. We thank you uh, for this time. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for patience and perseverance that uh, we didn't give up just because something was difficult. Thank you for Lucy and Dawn who uh, were able to figure out how to get the audio to work, and I'm glad uh, to be with you all in this moment. Father God, I just pray through your spirit that you speak through me, that you open our hearts, open our ears um, to your word and your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, I'm excited to be back. Uh, Today I am not in my Easter clothes, as you can tell. I'm actually wearing my uh, U.S. Coast Guard t-shirt for all my my fellow Coasties and, and my cousin. Um, but today we're going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, and it's going to be verses 9 through 12. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against the soul. Keep your conducts amongst the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And that's the word of the Lord. This is a really neat uh, passage of scripture. It's there, there's Peter has now shifted from talking us as living stones to talking Jesus as a little, the the living stone, the cornerstone, and now he's pulled it back to us, you and me. Now specifically, he's this letter was written to the Jews that were uh, dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, many of them uh, believing Jews who believed in the Messiah, and he's writing to them to continue to encourage them to live a an honorable life, and that's what verse twelve is about. But there's some important things that we we are here, and, and sometimes I think people take uh, verse nine a little out of context, and and what I mean by that is almost they misapply it. Uh, you know, P- Peter is encouraging them as a chosen race. Not because that they're better or more suited for battle or more intelligent or more beautiful, but truly that as a chosen race, that God has set them aside as a group of people that he wants to show his love and he wants to, he's given his statutes and he expects a lot of them. Uh, You can consider and the prophet Amos, he wrote a, a book in the Old Testament, and this is very similar to the story that this prophet Amos had come to Israel and begins to prophesy of the destruction of all the kingdoms that encompass Israel, that because of their wickedness, that God was going to bring some form of earthly judgment towards them. But lastly, right at the end of it, you can hear G- the Lord say that Israel, you you yourselves have abandoned your first love because ultimately that you've known better, that because you've known the will of the Lord and you know the statue of the Lord is that you you know better. And so we as Christians have the same uh, benefit. We we are going to be, we have been given the Holy Spirit to give us the truth and to lead us into righteousness. We've been given the word of God to be 
our encouragement. And because of that, God is in relationship with us. And like good children, he's going to hold us more accountable. Not that we should elevate ourselves over others, but that we should consider this a great opportunity and a great opportunity for others. We should always consider that God is calling his people to him. And even in this season, while we seem to be isolated in our homes, that more than ever, people are reading the scriptures and praying and, and watching sermons and really seeking God. And, and that they are truly trying to figure out what it means to follow after Jesus. And I think that's what is for us, is that we have this opportunity to um, connect with God. That, that we, as a chosen race and a priesthood, a holy nation... All these things that, that Peter is writing is is a, a means to set us apart, even to say a people of his own possession. And this is a declaration of how much God loves you and me, that he has done this for us, that we can connect with him. And so it's not just that we are called out just to be elevated, but ultimately that it's called out for a purpose so that you and me can proclaim the goodness of God. Right, that we can proclaim the excellencies of Him. Right, that we can proclaim the goodness of God, the love of Jesus, the the mercies of the Father, but along with His holiness and His goodness, and that these are things that we should be considering because it, it is Christ who is this marvelous light that we have been called to stand in, and that's just something we should remember because there's there's no there's not a scripture. Uh, throughout the New Testament and definitely not in the Old in which tells us to to boast or to be glad or to exalt ourselves but it's always to act and live in a way of humility and grace and peace towards others that we should Paul says we should consider others greater than ourselves so here too in this passage that we are being called to live in a way that proclaims the goodness of God Right And in verse 10 it says, And once you were not a people, we were all lost people. This is a, a theme in the, in the book of Hosea, which was another prophet. And he had two children. One was no mercy and the other was not my people. It, it was a prophecy that God was giving to Israel saying that because of your wickedness, you will receive judgment. So that's the opposite of mercy. And you will be... Uh, Abandoned as a people, you will no longer be my people. And so it comes to recognition of our minds of that story that that there was there was a pushing out that God did, but not an abandonment. He he they, they he allowed them to behave in their own way, but eventually would call us home. And this is the second half of this verse, right? And once right, but now you are God's people. How are we God's people? Well, we're God's people because of what Jesus has done. This is why we celebrated Easter two Sundays ago, right? That, that Jesus paid the price for our sins and rose from the dead to be our living hope. The th general theme of this whole book and that we get to be God's people. That God loves you right where you are. That God knows you right where you are. That is God is calling to you right where you are. That he knows your name and every hair on your head, whether that be many or few. But God knows you and he's called you and he's collecting you as a people. And not just for a temporary, but as a an, an eternal kingdom of God that God is 
establishing for us, that he is calling us to be his own. And once you had not received mercy, that that the judgment of our sins, that the consequences of our sins were played out in our lives, and that God did not extend his mercy to us. But now because of Christ, because everything hinges here on Christ, that because of Christ we, we have now received mercy, that our former transgressions, our former sins are now forgotten, that they've been covered over, that they are now behind us, that we can live forward and just as he said before in his marvelous light that we can walk in a different way that we can act in a different way and he says beloved i urge you as sojourners and exiles it's you know these people who he's initially writing to weren't in their native land many of them as as we know were jews so they would have been from israel but they were living as far uh, west is Spain, but many of them were in Italy or Sicily or Greece or maybe on the north coast of Africa. Many of these people were far away from their home. And so here they are living differently than the, the land that they were from. And he uses it to his, this, to his advantage to say, not only are you sojourners and exiles from Israel, a physical land and nation, but we as Christians are sojourners to this whole planet, so that we are not citizens of one place, but we are or, or on earth, that we are we are not citizens of one place on earth, but we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That's very similar to what Paul writes in Philippians, that we are citizens of heaven. And, and this is, I think, the same encouragement that we, as people who are set apart, who are just happen to be dwelling in a different land, that we are so careful to abstain from the passions of the flesh. For we know that the world around us is going to do everything it can to fulfill and gratify itself. That it, it is, desire, it is the, the, the fleshly desire to be satisfied. I, I haven't met many people who like pain. And, and I don't think that even in the pain that they might inflict upon themselves is there truly an enjoyment, but it's some kind of twisted uh, sensation that they're receiving but for most people we don't like pain and so we do things to satisfy we don't like to be lonely so we seek comfort we don't like to be tired so we seek energy we do not like to be uh, in pain so we seek comfort but in the flesh in the desires and the passions of the flesh when we follow that it does wage war on our souls I don't know about you but I know very often for me that when when I find myself in temptation or I find myself in sin, when I, when I go down that path, that there's something here in my heart that seems not right. Something that here inside of me just seems to say, Joshua, you, you know better. This isn't the way to go. You should turn around. You need to stop right now. You know. And, and not, in, not in a condemning, con- condemning or shameful way, but that in encouraging and uplifting spirit that says, Josh, there's a better path for you. Josh, there's a better plan. Josh, you know this is going to hurt. And I think that's truly what Peter is trying to encourage the writers here is that that we do not live in the passions of the flesh, but we live differently from this world because the world doesn't know better. You know, Paul writes in Romans 1 that God has handed man over to their debased thinking, so their sinful thinking, that their 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 dirty thinking, that, that they almost can't help themselves, that they've been given over to it. 
And thus, that's why Peter writes, keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable. That we should be living differently. We should be living set apart. That, that, that in that last day, in that day of visitation, that when people would might want to say, well, well, you should have seen what he did or what they did. And in the Lord's day, that's the day of visitation, that we will be able to stand above and apart. So what does this mean to be God's people? It's, I think it's three things that we see in, in, straight from the text. Number one, to be God's people is that we have received mercy. That, that out of that mercy, we, have for, we, we live as forgiven ones. And with being forgiven, we should uh, learn to forgive. So I want to encourage you this week um, to, number one, remember that God has forgiven you of your sins. He's forgiven you of your trespasses. He does not hold a grudge against you because of something you may have done in the past. That he, in the scripture says he remembers it no more. It separates it from the east and the west. So in short, he, he, when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees Christ's righteousness imputed onto you. So it's like wearing a new set of clothes, wearing almost someone else's clothes. But you're forgiven. And it's really important that as we are forgiven, that we remember to forgive others. So in a, for a moment, just think. Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there someone who has stolen from you, betrayed your trust, uh, taken advantage of you, uh, mistreated you because you're different? Uh, Someone who has said that they were going to do something and did something different? Someone you've been holding some bitterness and a grudge against for quite some time? Do you need to forgive someone right now? Do you need to see, Lord, I'm thinking of, I need to forgive them. Now, there's a chance you may not actually be able to speak to them. And and while I would encourage you to talk to someone about forgiveness or who needs it, but I think within your heart and within your mind, you need to say, you know what? This person did something against me. And you know what? Uh, Maybe you can't call them or maybe they've already died and and maybe you can't reach them anymore but within your heart you can say lord i I know that this person did me wrong and for a long long time i've held a grudge against them but god right now in the name of jesus i i want to just forgive them and release that bitterness and that critical spirit that i've been holding on to those negative emotions that i've been holding on to for so long and then that's what it means to then be free Right, Jesus says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Actually, that's Paul's word. Jesus says, for whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But I think they both mean the same thing. So, for whom Jesus has set free is truly free indeed. There is no bondage of slavery. But as Paul says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, so where the Spirit of Christ is, there is freedom. And we should walk in that freedom, not in liberty to sin, but we should walk in a way in which the world can see the change in us, that we are not bound anymore to the wages of sin. The other thing that it means to have mercy is to know that we love others as Christ loved us. We already mentioned forgiveness. That's one of the greatest ways that Christ has shown us his love. But the second is is he set an example. He walked a life differently and, and was that loving, kind, unconditional loving example 
for the world. He ultimately sacrificed himself for us. Again, we, we just look back to Easter that he bore our cross. He carried our sins. And lastly, he was a servant. Jesus served. Jesus took off his clothes, put on the towel, grabbed the basin, and washed his disciples' feet. It, it takes a lot to be a man to, to get on your knees and wash someone else's feet. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go to your neighbor and uh, take off his shoes and wash his feet. That, that might start a fight, so don't do that. But how is there a way that you can serve the person in your room today? Is there something you can do to serve one person like Jesus served us? Is there something that the, the medical staff or the, the, the cleaning staff or the cook staff or whomever, the activities staff, that is there some way that you can serve them? Is there a way that you can show them love? Is there a way that you can do something that shows Christ within you to know that we are different? Because the one thing that the world seems to be lacking right now is love. That, that so many of us are so selfish Self, self-seeking, so self-deserving that we seem to take from others before we ever give. So one of the greatest gifts we have is love. So I encourage you through the mercy of Christ to love one another. And lastly, it's to show mercy. It, it, it's, it's the stem of love and forgiveness that, that it's not just the, the forgiveness of letting something go, but not holding it against them in a way in which they should be or should be treated, but truly allowing that to be um, a forbearance or almost for or or relieved that, that that it is there no more. The second thing that it means to be God's people is that we belong to a different kingdom. Just like I said earlier, that that Paul Peter is writing to these people who aren't in Israel that they are throughout the Roman Empire. But he's calling them to live differently. And you and me, brothers and sisters, that as Christians, God has established his kingdom in heaven. And one day that kingdom of heaven will come and be on earth and we will dwell in it forever. But the laws and the rules and the leader is different from this nation and all the other nations on this planet. I'm not saying that we, we, we set out to be anarchists and to rebel against the establishment. But it's a greater picture of thinking that we begin to look at what the kingdom of heaven is all about and how you and me can live differently in this kingdom. That we should ought to live differently in this pure place because as Revelation says that there's no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, no more disease. That we are, that all the sins and all the consequences of sin will be removed and will live in pure light, this marvelous light. Number two, we then have a different kind of leader. I will not speak ill of uh, uh, any national or state or, or government leader. I, I do believe in the season they are doing their best. They, they, I would not want to bear the burdens that they have to make the decisions they have had to make. Uh, I, I think that their my hairs would be full gray and not uh, brown black right now. I, I think that this the amount of stress that would have to weigh on a person to consider that the lives just here in the United States of over 300 million Americans, that, that there's something in that that it, we should give them the dignity and the respect that they deserve of their office. However, as Christians, 
We are called to live under Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, and not any other person. And so we live differently. We are set apart, and we live in a different kingdom because Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever and ever, and that is whom we subject ourselves to. So we first give ourselves to the Lord. And then as Paul says in Romans 13, that all leadership is established by God. So we have to respect the authorities of this land. And by doing so, we're actually honoring God. But I think as we consider Christ to be our king, that he makes the rules, that we are following his lead and his example, then we should live differently. And ultimately, it's where our allegiance lies. Is Do we devote ourselves to something that will perish, that is temporary, that may change in a matter of years or decades? Or do we establish our allegiance to a kingdom that will last forever and ever? And I think that's truly just the important part is that we, we live with that allegiance to know that no matter what, we are here to serve the Lord. Lastly, the last part to, to living as God's people is we're called to have a different type of conduct. We, we are called to do good deeds and be honorable. And, and this is speaks to our own character. This is very often when I, I'm talking to an individual and we talk about um, personal identity. We like to live our life um, based on who we are or really what we do. And I think that's kind of wrong that we identify ourselves by our behavior uh, or our character. It, it is often that, that many people want to know who they are and what their place is in this world. And, and maybe we'll get a little more deeper on what our identity in Christ is uh, soon. But I just want to talk about out of our identity, out of who God has made us to be, we behave. What As we think and believe, I behave. So so my behavior or ultimately sorry, my belief system dictates my values. My values lead my actions and my actions are what people see. So if I lie, people would eventually call me a liar. If I committed murder, people would call me a murderer. If I stole, people would call me a thief. Right? If if I if I, you know, if I lied. People would just call me dishonest. It's that kind of behavior, that repetitive behavior that people begin to see our character. Now, character is that which we are should be living up to to a God standard. Is our, is our behavior, based on our beliefs and our values, do we conduct ourselves in a, man, in a manner worthy of what Christ has called us to? And, and this is just where we get to begin to ponder. The, the standard is here in the Word of God. It, it is nowhere else. We don't need to go searching for other great books or, or look for philosophers or, or ethicists. We just need to simply look at Scripture. And number, there, there's three great commandments. Number one is we love God with all our heart, with all our mind, and all our soul. Number two is we love Jesus. We love others as Christ has loved us. And three, we, we make disciples, right? If we look to 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It does not keep record of wrong. There, there's a great list of things that can describe what it means to live differently as a Christian. But 
it's important to remember God's grace. That if today or tomorrow or later this week you make a mistake, that you misspeak or, or consider something and, and you just don't do it right, it's okay. Because God has given you mercy. Because God has given me mercy. And I think that's the, the value, most valuable thing of this is when we consider the mercy of God for our own lives, for our own actions, and for what we've done and where we're going, that, that he will lead us and guide us. Because ultimately Christ is going to come back. He's going to restore his kingdom. He's going to call the faithful home. And we will be with him forever. And, and this is why we get to take great courage in this passage that God has called you to be his people and that he loves you. And with that, let, let us close in prayer. Uh, dearly Father, I just thank you for this day. I do thank you for this opportunity to use technology to be uh, with the people of Baltimore Lopez. Uh, I know this a little different than the normal church service, and um, but that's okay. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where we gather in his name, you are there in our midst. And, and I just thank you so much for being near us. That in the stillness and the quietness of our minds and our hearts, that you speak to us and you tell us how much you love us. Father God, I thank you for Dawn and Lucy who are working today. Lord, I pray a blessing over them. Lord, that you give them courage and strength. Help them stay healthy and strong. Lord, we pray for all the administration and staff. Uh, Lord, I wish I knew all their names, but I, I just pray from the top to the bottom, from left to right, inside and outside. Lord, that you just be with each and every one of them. Lord, that they, they come and they serve and they give of themselves. Lord, I pray that you fill them up. Give them your mercies and your grace. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Let them know that you are near, that you hear their prayers and you know their thoughts, and that you are able and willing to provide. Lord, you are a good Father who loves us. You consider us worthy of love. Father God, and for all of our residents, Lord, I pray a blessing over them. Lord, that you be with them, that you love them, that you encourage them. Lord, I pray for all the families that are connected to our residents, Lord, that you lift them up and give them strength and courage while we're apart. I think this separation is, is God, you're going to use this for something great, but it is, it is unpleasant right now to be separated from ones we love. But I pray in the name of Jesus that you give us the strength we need to carry on. Be with the leadership of each nation, including ours, the United States. We pray for our president and our vice president and Congress. We pray for the medical professionals who are executing at a, uh, operating at a, a top level. Lord, we pray for our state, county, and city commissioners and leaders. Lord, you just be with them, give them wisdom, guidance, and strength. Lord, give us your mercies until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.